To celebrate the 10th episode of Sports Ophthalmology, we are releasing a survey to evaluate its impact. Please click on the link within the episode description to complete the two-minute survey. We greatly appreciate your insights and feedback. Welcome to the Sports Ophthalmology Podcast. My name is Dr. Gary Legault, and today we have a unique episode where Jared interviews a patient. We are grateful for our patients sharing their experience where they've had multiple injuries while playing sports. At no time are we providing any medical or legal advice, and we have not evaluated this patient in person or looked at their eye. We're just offering this opportunity for this patient to share his experience and what he went through, and also a good experience for Jared, a medical student, to interview and try to figure out what's going on. After the episode, I'll make some comments about what was discussed and hopefully give you some insight into the injuries. All right, Tyler, thanks for hopping on our show. No problem. Yeah, excited to be here. Okay, do you mind sharing your experience with your eye injury? So, yeah, a little background. When I was uh, a couple eye injuries I had, um, both sports related, but I uh, initially, when I was 19 years old, the first uh, eye injury I had, and both injuries I've, I've had sports-related-wise were to the same eye, my right eye. When I was 19, playing racquetball with a friend, screwing around, um, hit a short shot, turned around to run back because I knew he was going to hit the ball again. As I turned around to run back to the back of the court, he wound up and smacked the ball as hard as he could, and it obviously hit me right in the eye. Mm. Uh, my eye immediately just started pouring blood out of it. Um, and I had no idea what was going on, what happened, but that was the initial injury I had. And it just burst all the blood vessels in my eye. But as a result of that injury, it was about five, six days I couldn't see where all the blood vessels, vessels were burst. Eventually, my vision started to come back. But as a, re- a result of that initial injury, the pressure in my eyes always was a little crazy, went a little off. Um mm-hmm. But the pressure started getting a little higher, a little higher, a little higher. So that literally, you know, from a normal 10, 12 pressure, something like that, my eye would always stay around 20 to 24 pressure wise. Mm -hmm. So that was the, that was the initial injury I had to my eye. And and to kind of rewind a little bit in front of that, I had had LASIK on my left eye, PRK on my right eye. So the vision was never perfect. But after that initial injury, even after PRK, my vision was 20, 40, somewhere in there. Um, but I I started to go uh, on drops and have issues with pressure in that eye. Mm-hmm. I, after, after that racquetball accident. Yep, after the racquetball accident. So always had pressure issues in the eye. Um, started taking eye drops for that eye. Went on a, uh, a mission for my church to England and not to knock their healthcare system, but it wasn't quite as thorough when it came to eye uh, issues. When I was in England, when I'd mm-hmm. go in, if I had a pressure problem or an issue there, they would, you know, throw a few drops in and say, hey, that's all we can do. And, and so I really had to regulate it for the next couple of years, kind of see where my eye pre- uh, pressure was and take drops accordingly. Fast forward to coming home from England. Um, Always had pressure issues, but really my vision was 20-40, right in that range. Wasn't perfect, but was very good. Um, And then when I was 33, so exactly 10 years ago, uh, playing softball, 
playing third base. A ball got hit in the gap between third base and shortstop. We had a left fielder with a cannon of an arm. Like everyone was just in awe how fast this kid could throw the ball. Well, I dove for the ball and immediately knew he was going to come up throwing to try and uh, throw the guy out at home that was on second. I looked home, didn't see the ball go home, started to turn to look at him to see where he was with the ball, and he had thrown it to me. So just as I turned to go look at him, the ball hit me in that exact same eye, my right eye. And everyone said it sounded like a watermelon hitting the ground and shattering. It was just an awful sound. I vaguely remember the ball hitting me, going down, thinking I have no clue what just happened. I thought maybe the runner ran into me. And again, blood pouring out of my eye. Went mm. to the emergency room, same type deal, shattered all the uh, the blood vessels again in my eye, and eventually was able to heal to the point where my eye, I could see out of it. After that point, I was about 20, 50, 20, 60 vision. Still usable, great, not life-shattering, not, not that big of an issue, but that second injury really set in motion what led to further complications. I uh, I would continue to remain on drops, but suddenly my pressure, instead of being in the low 20s, would start to get in the high 20s, low 30s. Um, it got to the point where my eye doctor, who was just uh, an ophthalmologist, recommended, hey, I go see a specialist. For me, I had never in my life had any sort of surgery at all, never even thought about surgery on any part of my body, anything. So when I went and saw that specialist and he told me, we recommend surgery in two days, we're going to put a shunt and a drain valve in your eye to get the pressure. So that's regulated. I freaked out a bit and said, uh, that's great, but I'm going to get a second opinion. I got a second mm -hmm. opinion, went to an eye doctor who told me, yeah, you should be able to control this pressure just by staying on eye drops. So I literally, Stayed on eye drops about the next two years. Um, my pressure would go all over the place, you know, get up to the high 30s, but I would take eye drops. She started to do uh, mini procedures where she would put either small shunts or uh, do drainage procedures on my eye to help the eye pressure be relieved. Seems like those would help the pressure for sometimes days, sometimes weeks, but never long term. Then after about two years, I went in and uh, hey, they said, we did an eye test on your eye and you got retinoschisis. And I had no idea what that was, but I said, okay, what does that mean? They said, well, your retina maybe is starting to detach a little bit. We're not sure. We'll kind of monitor it. Within about a month of that point, which would have been roughly two, two and a half years after my softball injury, um, I woke up New Year's Day looked at my wife and said, hey, my vision is really weird here. I don't know what's going on. Went to go mm -hmm. golfing with my brothers and my dad. Literally could not tell how far the ball was. Went to swing and was like swung over it by a good, you know, three, four inches, which wasn't normal for me. And I said, I don't know what's going on with my eye. I better go see the eye doctor tomorrow. Went in and saw the mm -hmm. eye doctor, a uh, specialist that was there. And he said, hey, your retina is detached right now. You're having emergency surgery tomorrow up at the Moran Eye Center at the University of Utah, and mm -hmm. I had a detached retina, which I think was a result of the previous eye injuries. Uh, went and got uh, a scleral buckle, 
put around my eye mm -hmm. and my eye injected with bubbles, laid yeah. face down for a couple weeks to reattach my retina. But after that surgery, I came out and I could see very, very, very little, if anything. I could still see a little bit of light, a little bit of movement. And he said, hey, hopefully your vision comes back a little bit. Nothing ever came back. And within uh, two years or so, it went from I could see light, see movement to nothing. I, I, I could see nothing out of that eye whatsoever. So since that point, which is when I was about 37 years old, roughly six years ago, I have been completely blind in my right eye, no vision whatsoever. Um, and does it suck? Yeah. Is it life changing? Eh, a little bit, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, I mean, overly affect a lot of things that I do. It, it just, I was a big sports guy. It does affect my death perception, that sort of things. But anyways, that's the history of how I got to the point where I'm blind in my right eye and it is what it is. Right. I, uh, I really appreciate you, uh, sharing, sharing that story. Uh, it sounds like you've run the gamut of, uh, specialties within ophthalmology, you know, dealing with the eye pressure, the, the retina and like all, all these different types of doctors. Um, yeah, I literally, I, I, after I had my detached retina, the eye doctor I had been going to said, Hey, we'll continue to do these mini shunts, these, this, all these things that continue to, to keep the pressure down. And she said, we really want to save the eye. And after about six or seven of those procedures, after I had got my retina reattached, I, I finally said, you know, I'm, I'm blind in this eye. I don't know why we're sitting here fighting, doing these, all these mini procedures. So I switched eye doctors at that point. And I remember sitting down, having that eye doctor look at my eye going, holy cow. You've had all kinds of stuff happen to this eye, haven't you? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a process. But since that point, which has probably been the last four years or so, really, I just go see the eye doctor every six months. And I stay on eye drops religiously twice a day, Dorzolamide, Timolol, um, just to try to keep my pressure down. After I got my detached retina surgery, my pressure was in the forties and fifties, it was crazy. And, and everybody, you know, it was causing headaches. And really I got to the point where I just want to regulate the pressure. I don't want to sit here and have procedure after procedure after procedure anymore to try to save an eye that I can't see out of. And once I got to that point, I, I realized, you know, there's not a whole lot more worse that can happen to this eye. Um, but yes, I've seen every procedure dang near possible regarding that stuff. And I've, had all kinds of doctors look at it and every one of them looks at it going, man, this guy has been through a gamut of stuff. So yes, I, I have seen a lot of procedures. So yeah, you're a, you're a trooper. Um, and I know, uh, a lot of the patients kind of struggle with the drops, uh, for the, for the eye pressure, uh, because there's like so many drops per day, you know, you just got to like bring it with you or, or like, what, what are some ways that you, managed uh the timing of the drops is that just something you kind of keep on your person all the time like look, looking at the clock yeah i so for me i mean after i first had my retina surgery to be honest with you i was on like six drops it was out of control and you know it had to be at certain times some of them four times a day some of them two times a day and 
And then slowly I weaned off some of those. And I, I've got been on just the one for the last four years. But essentially I tell myself, okay, if I want to actually save this eye and not have a glass eye, the vision's gone. That's fine. Uh, I should probably be pretty religious about taking these drops. So I take it every night, every morning, every night before I go to bed, every morning when I wake up. I literally will not go on a trip without having a travel bag that has drops in it. I've got a residence in Utah, a residence in Texas. I got multiple bottles of drops at each location. I don't want to get to a point where I don't have those drops available because there has been a time, like I went to a fishing tournament, which was about a four day event. I didn't have drops and I thought, oh man, it's the first time I haven't taken drops in a while. After two days, I could tell my eye was freaking out, trying to figure out what the heck's going on here. So mm. I that kind of told me, okay, look, these, these drops are pretty important. Like, I think my pressure would go into the 40s and 50s if I wasn't staying on drops regularly. Right, right now, it every time I get pressure taken, my left eye will be at 10, 11, 12. My right eye will be anywhere from 22 to 30. It varies, which is manageable. If you start getting that 40, 50 range, then it's like, okay, uh, your, your eye is not going to uh, stick around much longer. So I just tell myself, look, if I want to keep this eye, I got to be religious about those drops. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned that uh, your life's been affected as far as like depth perception. Um, it sounds yeah, like yeah. you're still fishing. Yeah, yeah, I, I still like fish. Uh, but even something like that, fishing, telling how far the cast goes, it took mm -hmm. some adjusting. I'm not perfect still, but I'm a lot better than I was. But it's weird. It, it There's certain things that really, really affect depth perception-wise. I would say things like, for instance, I enjoy pickleball a lot. And I've mm. come to terms with the fact that I will never advance super far as a pickleball player because literally a high-speed ball like that, that gets close to me, my depth perception is never perfect. I always have to do it more off of muscle memory than it is off mm. of vision. Um, shooting mm. a basketball. Can I do it? Yes. But I can never, unless I want to sit there and make it muscle memory and make it train like crazy, I'll never be great at shooting a basketball again because not that I was before. I'm just a so-so basketball player. But it became much more difficult because literally that hoop, uh, judging even six inches to a foot difference, it makes a big difference in basketball. And so yeah. those sort of things where it's, you know, little distances, judging that sort of thing, it's very hard. Um, like I said, pickleball is one. Fishing, you know, it's a further distance. So I can, if I'm off six inches, it's not quite as big of a deal when I make a cast. Um, mm -hmm. Basketball, if you're off six inches, it does make a difference. But that sort of thing, mm -hmm. I can still play low pitch softball which I very rarely play because it gives me memories of uh, losing that eye. But also, uh, um, I still play uh, basketball a little bit. Um, golf, I'm still, again, not a great golfer, but it doesn't affect me on a slow-moving you know, thing like golf. For whatever reason, there are some things that affect me, some things it doesn't more than others. I, I work, uh, I own trailer dealerships for an occupation, and I've got tractors that have these little ball mounts that are roughly seven to ten feet in front of the tractor that i use to lift the, the trailers that i sell around well mm -hmm. what used to be an automatic process just put it underneath the trailer hitch and pull it around now 
might take me three or four shots to get right because I can't tell that three or four inches makes such a difference. And so mm. a lot of it becomes muscle memory stuff that before used to be a piece of cake to be able to see with my eyes. But is again, is it a, is it a, uh, ruin your life type of thing? No. I mean, at the end of the day, life goes on. It's there's, I still enjoy doing so many things in life. I am, as a, for instance, I'm starting to pursue this right now. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I'm hoping to, my wife's working on getting her pilot's license. I'm hoping to be able to get my pilot's license, but it sounds like that's going to be a bit more of a, a process than if I had vision in my right eye, if that makes sense. So things like that, yeah, mm -hmm. it affects, but again, there's worse things again than not being able to get a pilot's license. I'll survive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you've mentioned um, that you're kind of extra diligent in drops uh, for your other eye now, just to kind of like pres preserve, uh, preserve vision. Um, have you had ophthalmologists talk to you about eye protection and, uh, you know, wearing that during, during different sports or what, what are some other kind of, oh, yeah, I've had them uh, like crazy say, Hey, you play any sport, you better wear goggles, which is not my forte. Um, if I am in any sort of situation where I feel like something bad could happen, I might remove myself from that situation. I am not diligent at wearing goggles. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have a few times for a few events. If I ever play racquetball, for instance, first thing I do is put on goggles for sure. But like pickleball, for whatever reason, I feel comfortable taking the risk that if I get hit with a pickleball in my left eye, I was meant to be blind for whatever reason, because that seems like a very low probability of happening. But yeah, I have been told, hey, any of these sports, you know, you lose that left eye or you lose vision in that left eye, you're done. Luckily, my left eye, I'm every time I've gone in, I'm better than 20-20 vision. It's, it's maintained vision, no problem. The pressure in that has never had a problem. You know, you hope that you never have issues, and I'll do everything I can to be diligent and making sure. I, I don't take eye drops in that eye, but I do obviously want to protect it and keep it. It is my only source of vision. I have to you know, shoot a gun left-handed now, whereas before it was obviously right-handed and I can use that left eye for a lot of things and, and supplement for what my right eye used to do. But have I been told to wear eye protection? Absolutely. And I wear it anytime I feel like there's any possibility of having issues with that left eye. Do I wear it a hundred percent every time when I play sports? Uh, I'll be honest. No. Um, and if I end up losing that left eye vision someday, it's going to be on me. I understand that completely. <laughs> but yeah, I have been well warned, and I have uh, I do have goggles uh, that I never used to have. You know, it sounds like uh, you're a busy guy. You got you got you're doing fishing. You're doing you know all all the hobbies. That's well, we awesome. Got, yeah, we got a freshman, sophomore, and junior in high school at home right now too. So we're plenty busy doing. Uh, all kinds of things with them. Um, that's really where hopefully the passion is right now. Business-wise right now, I'm trying to put a lot of effort and emphasis on that as well. And then fit in things like the hobbies. But yeah, I, I'm busy. I have been limited very little by not having vision in my right eye. The things that it doesn't limit me in, I really could care less about. Like at the end of the day, if I can't shoot a basketball as well, oh well. If I can't... Uh, be as good, quite as good of a golfer. Oh well, if I can't play pickleball quite as well, I've got a brother who is very, very, very good at pickleball, and I'm a very competitive person. 
And when I go play pickleball against him, I think, you know what? I'm going to put in a lot of work, a lot of effort. I'm going to get as good as him. And then I realize, you know what? I'm never going to be because I can't see with this dang eye. So you know what? I, I can deal with things like that. It's it's life. And I really haven't let it limit me in any ways. There's, you know, out of the million possibilities we could have in life, that right eye doesn't eliminate any of them. It might limit me a little bit in a small percentage of some of them, but there's a whole lot worse things that could happen in life. Trust me. I, we've got a friend, uh, a good family friend of my wife's, their son had a an arm eaten off by a lion. You know, uh, I tell myself, you know, I think I can deal with not having vision in my right eye. And he tells himself the same thing. You know what? Life goes on. There's worse things that can happen. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what's something you wish uh, everyone knew about eye injuries in sports? Maybe someone who, who does get an eye injury or, you know, what, what's something that you wish other people would know? I would say first and foremost, I always took for granted that I have use of both my eyes. Like, oh, that's just normal. Everybody does. Uh, I used to look at, say, my dad or some older people that would have to wear glasses and things to play sports. I'm like, yeah, I hope I never get to that point. Well, as a, as a karma now, I guess I, instead of not being able to see very well, I can't see out of one eye. Just what I would say is don't take for granted having vision out of both eyes, whatever it takes, whatever you need to do to protect your eyes, to keep your eyes healthy. It might be an afterthought, especially when you're young. It was for me. I thought, oh, I'm having some eye troubles. I can have a surgery and fix them at any point. I can do PRK. I can do LASIK. This is all correctable. Well, certain things aren't correctable. And if you take it for granted, maybe, uh, maybe you won't, you know, have that opportunity more. So, is there a lot of things I would have done different? I'll be honest with you. I was young when I had the eye injuries. I don't think in a million years you would have ever caught me wearing goggles, playing softball, goggles, playing uh, racquetball. If I step on a racquetball court now, I would wear those immediately. I just was young and dumb. Take care of those eyes. But also know that after the injury, do whatever your doctor recommends that first doctor i went and visited said hey we want to put a shunt in cause these uh this, this high pressure to be regulated i heard the word surgery and i thought i've never had surgery in my life before i sit here and have a surgery let's get a second opinion i'm not saying you know the second opinion was necessarily bad to get but i'm always wondering now if i would have had that initial surgery would things have been a little bit different in my gut i think i still would have eventually lost the vision in my right eye but I will mm -hmm. never know if I didn't immediately have that surgery after my injury, if it maybe would have helped me keep my vision longer, if it would have helped control that pressure more than, than just the drops we're doing, that which I decided to go on. I decided to go on all kinds of drops, and I guess it was supposed to regulate things going on in my right eye. But really, most likely, the injuries are probably what led, led to the retina schesis, which would led to my detached retina. Realistically, though, if I would have helped done anything possible to keep my pressure under control a little more, would it have made a difference? I'll never know. My gut says no, but at the end of the day, I'll never know. And maybe I, I should have you know, had that surgery just so I would know and be more at peace. But like I said, I'm not, I really am not losing sleep over this tonight. It is what it is. Right. I think uh, like the healthcare model of combined decision-making where the doctor kind of has an idea, but then the patient gets to play a part in that. 
I think it's really good because it helps helps everyone kind of buy in and feel good about the decisions, but also it can be hard when the patient feels responsible for for decisions that were made uh, yeah. when you know you'll never know if the right the right decision yeah, I, or not. That initial doctor that maybe as a I've just so you know that initial doctor that recommended that surgery, he is now my eye doctor. But I've even told right. him, hey, just so you know, when you first told me, hey, matter of factly, hey, let's just have surgery in two two days. That's our best option. Da, da, da. I freaked out inside. And I literally freaked out at the thought of, I've never had a surgery in my life. And so when you were so matter of fact about it and essentially blunt and showed no emotion and acted like this is just what we're going to do, it made me a little nervous. You know, it made me say, well, take a step back and say, hey, is this my only option? And that's why I started looking at other options. And he even has told me, he's like, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, my bedside manner a lot of times maybe isn't the best. And so I should probably realize that situations like this maybe are, are what the result of not having the best bedside manner is. But, you know, there's no hard feelings, nothing like that. Like I said, realistically, I probably would have lost the vision in my right eye long term, no matter what. I was just trying to save what I had. Um, that, I'm at peace with that. But at the same time, you know, it, it would have been nice to know, hey, maybe if I would have had that initial surgery, would it have changed the trajectory even 1%, 2%? Hey, maybe I had my right eye vision three days longer. Who knows? You know, there, there's all kinds of options that could happen. Yeah, I think um, for the doctor, uh, understanding the patient, like understanding their their thought process, trying to get shared buy-in, right? Because the, the doctor has an idea, and if they're not careful with the way that they communicate with the patient, that you know, they think that the patient's on board, yeah, it sounds great, and w- while the patient maybe isn't on board, you know? <laughs> No, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And like I said, it it's water under the bridge at this point. It uh, it's not something I lose sleep over. But yeah, initially you, you got to understand as doctors, maybe someone's had six surgeries in their life. Maybe someone's never even thought about or considered surgery in their life. You know, I, to hear that word, hey, we're just gonna have a surgery on you. I was like, you're gonna do what now? I I uh, I had never. Yeah. I had had one broken bone in my life. They threw a cast on besides that. I had never had anything health injury wise at all in my life. And to hear, hey, just so you know, in two days you're having a surgery. I was like, okay. I tried to remain calm, and I came home and thought, you know what, this doesn't feel right for whatever reason. So that's when I, uh, mm-hmm. if it would have been maybe explained to me a little better or talked about why, maybe I would have ended up doing it. Maybe, it, maybe I would have lost my vision during that surgery. Who knows? You know. But I'm just saying just my experience that way. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other uh, insights for our audience that, uh, you know, our audience are ophthalmologists and medical students, residents hoping to take care of athletes and people involved with sports? You know, any other kind of suggestions you might have for them as they go and and take care of patients who are playing sports. Well, maybe as, especially with sports, um, maybe, maybe you guys already do this, some of you, but just, uh, I, I, I used to go through that eye chart thing all the time, you know, one better than the other. Hey, A or B, right. one or two. Maybe for some of these athletes, yeah. as they, if they start to have vision problems, say, hey, here's a vision one with both eyes. Here's vision two and cover up one of the eyes. 
and say, hey, if mm. you wanted to continue the sport you're doing, how do you think you it would affect you to only have one eye? Or even how do you think it would affect you to, you know, have terrible vision in one of those eyes? Just so they can understand, hey, this is a real possibility. You will not be able to excel in the sport that you play in without having as best possible vision possible in both those eyes. If you think you can be nonchalant about this, let me throw a, a cover, let me throw, you know, paper or whatever in front of one of those eyes. Now, let's do the same thing. Let's go out on a basketball court. Let's go on a pickleball court. Let's go on a tennis court. And let's throw a, uh, a set of goggles covering one of those eyes. Just so you understand the mm -hmm. impact, you lose or even lose partial vision in one eye. You're never going to be able to excel at 110% again. Let's make that clear. Yeah, you can, you can supplement it, try to make up for it with muscle memory stuff, which you know a lot of athletes will have to do. But at the end of the day, let's take care of these, both those eyes as long as we possibly can. And if there's way to, to, to stress that to them, have them try to play their sport for one practice, but with one eye. See how that makes a difference. I mean, literally my, my family, when I try to explain to them, you know, I can't see. They're like, well, what is it? Is it just black? I'm like, yeah, it's just black. And they have me cover my good eye. And, you know, they act like, hey, can you see this? Can you see this? I'm like, guys, when I say I can't see anything, I can't see anything. And they think, well, how can you still do this? How can you still do this? I'm like, you need to understand. It's, it's been a process to muscle memory rise. Figure out how to do some of this little stuff again. Is it possible? Yes. Is it perfect? No. But, you know, they start to have a little more sympathy. And I just say, hey, tell you what, let's go. I think what I need to do is take my brother's side and say, hey, let's go ahead and cover one of your eyes this next match. Let's see uh, Let's see how that's going to affect what you're doing. You know, play some pickleball with them that way. But, yeah, if, if there's one thing I would stress is getting athletes, getting any of, uh, you know, anything. I mean, I've got a daughter that's a great cheerleader, gymnast, all, all those things. She wouldn't be able to do that stuff nearly as well without perfect vision in both eyes. It's, you know, that depth perception stuff is pretty critical. If there's a way to get through to your athletes that, hey, if you think losing vision in one eye is not going to affect things, it's going to. Is it going to let you limit yourself long-term mentally? Maybe not. But it will affect how you can perform as an athlete. Just understand that. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for your time uh, this afternoon, Tyler. Uh, one more question for you: of the uh, of the many sports that you're involved with, what's your favorite sport, and do you have a favorite sports team? Uh, I mean, football has always been my most natural sport, one to play. I've coached a bit. Um, I absolutely have a love and a passion for it. So yes, football is my favorite sport, and I've got to say, all day, every day, fly eagles fly. I'm a giant eagle. Yeah, I, I, I have a home in Texas, and it is like cowboy country where our home is in Texas. And any and every opportunity I can, you know, salute the birds and fly eagles fly, I can. Especially, I've been to that cowboy stadium probably a half dozen times watching games. I love being the guy dressed in green and silver supporting my birds. So, yes, I'm a giant Philadelphia Eagles fan. Took my son to the Super Bowl parade when they won. I uh, I love I love the Eagles. So yeah, they're they're my baby. Um, but I just love it even more that I can cheer for them in Cowboy Country. Is what I'm saying. All right, thanks, Tyler. Right on. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jared and Tyler. One, I want to thank Tyler for sharing his experience and what he went through 
and you saw the fear and anxiety he discussed throughout each episode, warning if he'll get his vision back and what will happen next. We also want to remind you that we're not providing any medical or legal advice, but just wanted the opportunity to share this experience and learn uh, because Tyler was, Tyler was very willing to, to share share this experience with us. Well, if you watch the YouTube video, there's one thing that you should stand out right away is that Tyler isn't wearing eye protection. In a monocular patient, you should always be wearing eye protection or wearing glasses with polycarbonate lenses. Uh, this will protect the good eye. He now just has one eye. He's already had trauma twice in the right eye. Luckily, he still has the good eye and you need to do everything to protect it. He mentions a few times that he wears goggles when he's doing things that are risky, but you never know when an object is going to hit the eye. And so we always, as ophthalmologists, we always document, hey, you need to be wearing polycarbonate frames at all times, uh, or polycarbonate lenses uh, with glasses at all times to protect that eye. So eye protection is key. Really, whatever you do to protect the good eye is what we can do at this point. Now, how did he get here? Uh, we talked about the, the initial episode, he had trauma to the eye, and there's lots of things that can happen with trauma to the eye. Uh, he talks about his blood vessels rupturing, so usually that's a subconjunctival hemorrhage, where you'll see it, it looks scarier than it is, but it's really just a bruise on kind of the white part of your eye, that's a subconjunctival hemorrhage. In his case, though, it also sounded like he had bleeding in the eye, uh, which is a hyphema when you have blood in the anterior chamber. And when you have bleeding in the eye, the blood can clog, clog the drain of the eye, the trabecular meshwork. And so that drainage system can get clogged up, and then you can get a lot of pressure over time. Elevated pressure in the eye can lead to damage to your optic nerve. And when you have damage to your optic nerve, you can lose your peripheral vision, and eventually all your vision. Uh, and that's what we call glaucoma, where you have damage to your nerve and you lose your peripheral vision. So he likely had a hyphema from that first episode, bleeding in the eye. When you have a hyphema, we put you on uh, bed rest. We, we want you to take it easy, have your head elevated. We try to get the blood to drain out and not have any issues. We put an eye shield over the eye. We uh, tell you to be on bed rest for at least uh, five days. Those first three to five days is when the eye can re-bleed if you're not careful, and then you can get even higher pressure as it bleeds again in the eye. So you're hoping that, that the blood clears out on its own. It sounds like the, the blood in the eye, the hyphema, that, uh, from the initial trauma, led to issues that he continued to have elevated ocular pressure. And, and so what do you do about it? The key is trying to keep that pressure low. And we can treat eye pressure or lower it with there's drops. There's oral medications. Uh, there's different, uh, there's laser procedures. And then there's... Uh, different surgical techniques. A lot of them, we have what's called MIGS or microinvasive glaucoma surgery now where you can put little shunts in or different techniques or devices that we have to put in the eye to lower the pressure. Obviously, it's always as scary sometimes for patients to think about just jumping to a surgery when you saw he really wanted to try to manage it with drops. And it's just trying to find that balance when, when you're taking care of the eye. Um, so he had these pressure problems and then down the road, it sounds like he had another injury and, and trauma to the eye again, which could have caused another hyphema bleeding in the eye, uh, and it could have caused some damage anytime you have trauma to his retina. And then it sounded like at some point he started having a retinal detachment where the retina comes off, and he he waited about a day or two, it sounds like, 
the the thing is, if you're ever having retina problems, which is often a curtain over part of your vision or flashes or floaters, go right to your ophthalmologist uh, so you can try to fix it right away. Um, the retina detachments can be challenging to repair, especially if you wait uh, to present to the ophthalmologist. And so the retina came off. Uh, they tried to fix the retinal detachment. Sometimes you can have pressure problems after that. It sounded like his pressure was elevated. And then over time, elevated pressure likely already damaged to the optic nerve. And then eventually you can lose all vision when you have damage to that nerve and to the retina. So he's been through a lot. But the big lesson is to really protect the eye that's st still alive. The other thing is, he talked in his history, is he talked about how he had LASIK in one eye and PRK in the other. That's very unique. We don't normally do that. Usually you do LASIK in both eyes or PRK. So there's probably some issue at some point with his right eye. And he mentioned it was never always the greatest. So maybe he has some amblyopia, meaning he wasn't, didn't really develop very well. Or he had scarring, because why did he have PRK in that eye? Often PRK is if there wasn't enough tissue, maybe he had a higher prescription in that right eye. Or if there was scarring uh, and, he, and we couldn't do a LASIK flap in that eye. If you've had LASIK or PRK, sometimes we make this assumption, and if you're taking tests, uh, for those that are studying to be an ophthalmologist, you assume that they're a high myope, meaning they probably have an axial high axial length, and they're at risk of retinal detachment anyways. So even if you didn't have trauma, you had a higher risk of having a retinal detachment because of the, the longer eyes uh, and thinning of the retina. So... He's been through a lot, a lot of lessons that can be taken from him, and we appreciate Tyler sharing this experience. We really just hope he protects his good eye and we can save his vision. But just be careful when you're playing sports. Wear your eye protection, especially going racquetball at the gym, put something over the eyes. Uh, but wear eye protection and protect your eyes. And thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for listening to Sports Ophthalmology. To stay connected and learn more, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, and at our website, sportsophthalmology.com. Please don't forget to click on the link in the episode description to complete the two-minute evaluation survey.